Welcome in to the From the Loop podcast, the sixth edition of this glorious show, hosted by Matt Mellomsetter and myself, Tim Stebbins. Tim Stebbins, our glorious leader. Glorious. Glorious. Okay. Matt, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. How are you doing? Good. We uh we just did our cool radio show, and I think this podcast will be special because we didn't really talk about these topics except the Cubs thing, which we'll get into later. Yeah. But the other stuff's kind of different, which is nice to maybe change it up so we're not just repeating ourselves. Um, sure. We have our key for the week, and there are four things that people should know about in this world of sports. Key of the week is LaMelo Ball is back in the United States high school basketball circuit. He's going to go play in Ohio at Spire Academy Institute. Spire Institute. Yeah. I feel like it should be an academy. but No, it should be an academy. Um, Spire Institute is a uh, institute. <laughs> for lack of a better word, an academy um, for high school athletes and postgraduate athletes to kind of train and hone their game. It kind of focuses on swimming and track and field, but also has a basketball team where uh, LaMelo will be playing. He will not be swimming for Spire. <laughs> um, now, we've seen guys kind of do this in the past. Uh, Thon Maker did this, not at Spire Institute. I believe, actually, he did this in uh, at a Canadian institute, kind of very similar where he just worked for a year to hone his game. He worked on drills, he played in scrimmages, but he wasn't able to play in games up there, um, but just developed as a basketball player. This, I think, can be very good for LaMelo Ball. Uh, LaMelo Ball left the country to play professional basketball in Lithuania over the last year. Um, he was kind of a, a, a 15-year-old celebrity on social media. He was huge on Instagram. He was huge on Twitter. His highlights were all over the place. He played a certain brand of basketball that wasn't necessarily uh, good for, for teams. Um, his Chino Hills basketball team won the state championship after he left, um, but was uh, interesting to watch and let him put up bunch of numbers he dropped like 93 in a game where he didn't play defense and his team played four on five on the defensive end and he stood at half court to cherry pick um a lot of thoughts on the mellow ball tim what do you think about this move for his like future and for his i guess potentially uh college status and draft status i'm not gonna lie to you the move makes me pissed off sure because they wrecked this kid's high school and essentially college basketball career, whether it was going to be a one-year, one-and-done, if he was talented enough to go pro after one year of college, or if he just was going to try it, whether he was talented or not. It makes me mad because it never made sense that LeVar Ball was pulling LiAngelo from college after LiAngelo got caught stealing in China yeah. with UCLA's team when they were over there. That If you were going to pull him, I can kind of get that, but I think it would have been more sensical to stay in college. I don't know if sensical is a word. Yeah, <laughs> stay in college or at least just serve the suspension for the one year and then go back to UCLA. But they didn't need to make it a package deal either way. Lamelo didn't need to be dragged into this at a 15, as a 15, 16 year old. They took him over yeah. to Lithuania, which you know we obviously know the NBA is the top basketball league in the world. After that, we're looking at we're not looking at Lithuania. You know, nah, it's like France, and Turkey, France, China, yeah. Russia, even I don't know, but like not Lithuania. This league wasn't legit. It wasn't. A, it's a professional league they played in, but the league itself was just LeVar Ball paying for these games to be broadcast on Facebook for the Big Baller League or whatever, Big Baller Tournament. Yeah. And they were overmatched. We talked about before we hopped on the podcast how really LaMelo, even before right now, he kind of has attitude issues when he's on the court. Yeah. He plays a certain way that rubs off the wrong way on teammates. But yeah. he, I mean, LaMelo Ball 
plays the way that I would expect somebody who went viral as a 15-year-old to play basketball. LaMelo Ball has talent. He's a good shooter. He's a good passer. He just doesn't really play kind of a team-style basketball. The way that LaMelo Ball plays just isn't going to mesh with a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches are not going to be are not going to accept the effort that LaMelo Ball puts in on the defensive end. They're not going to accept the effort that LaMelo Ball put, puts in off the ball when he's on offense. If LaMelo Ball doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's standing still waiting for the ball to be in his hands. Uh, it's a it's 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 very different from the way that Lonzo plays. Like these guys are Lonzo's brothers. They don't play the way that Lonzo plays. Leandro Ball, you talked about pulling him out of college might have been a bad decision. Look, he might not have ever played at UCLA. I mean, like, his top tier was maybe squeaking out a late second-round draft pick. I think he would have played, though. But, yeah, NBA, no. No, he yeah, like, he, didn't have any, he didn't have any NBA future. Like, he wasn't on anyone's draft boards when he got pulled. Like, he was hardly playing at UCLA, and he looked overmatched at UCLA. He continued to look, to, look overmatched in Lithuanian professional basketball. And as I understand it, that Lithuanian professional basketball league Kind of similar to like an upper level high school league, um, very similar to what like Giannis Antetokounmpo played in in Greek in his professional league, like very similar to a junior college upper level high school basketball league. Um, a little tidbit for you, according to the News Herald, it's a sure. Cleveland newspaper. Uh, Spire confirmed to the newspaper that they uh, Lamelo was never paid for the professional teams he played for. That's why he's eligible to play in high school. Okay. So he went to Lithuania. I get that it was to play professional ball, but they, he didn't even get paid he for didn't it. He didn't get paid. Um, and then he went to, he came back. This They put all this money, did the ball family into this league in Lithuania. He came back and they made the Junior Basketball Association, the JBA. Yeah. And that league was kind of ridiculous too. The idea was good. Like, okay, the top players that don't want to go to play college for a year, they can play professionally and they go to the draft. But you're not going to get enough top recruits to do that. And that was also a waste of time. And I doubt he was making money if his dad was the one paying. Yeah. It, it, the JBA was, was something that was intriguing um, and interesting, but something that didn't really make much sense, especially when college basketball is going to pay you anyways. Um, so. <laughs> that yeah. When, uh, when LaMelo left Chino Hills, he was the number seven recruit in the class of 2019. Yeah. So as much as we think, well, okay, if he'd stayed in school – if he went to pro, we don't know what his future was. He was going to be a star in college basketball for a year or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. He absolutely. Here's the thing: is he absolutely would have been a star in college basketball. Whether coaches would have loved him, whether he would have fit into any systems or anything, is regardless. He would have been a huge attraction. Six foot seven point guard. Yeah, this guy. Okay, he's gonna play against other talented players now. Uh, one of their first games. Uh, they're playing the 13th, November 13th, which is math. That's uh, a few days from now. Tuesday. Tuesday the 13th. Sure. They're playing La Lemire, which is, as DePaul, we know, a, that's a top school nationwide. Yeah. DePaul took their head coach and made an assistant coach. Recruits a lot went from DePaul, or from there to DePaul. That's where uh, Greg Anthony's son is playing, who's the number two player in the class of 2019. So at least he's playing real competition his age now in American basketball circuit, not Lithuania with this junior varsity thing that you talked about. Yeah. But it still makes me mad because Lavar or yeah, Lavar Ball's ignorance. I'm gonna say it. He he kind of wrecked a Leangelo Ball's college career 
and whatever professional chance he had overseas or here. Yeah. And LaMelo's college at UCLA, a Pac-12 school. He would have been a star there and play in the NCAA tournament and with Tiger Campbell from who yeah. committed from here and Shaq's son. Yeah. It just it, it makes me mad because it was such a dumb move at the time and now they're kind of like they're kind of coming back now and not admitting it directly, but saying like, "Yeah, we we messed up. We, we kind of done that. Kind of took the wrong route." Um, and yeah, I do. I definitely think they took the wrong route. I mean, the popularity that Lamelo Ball was exploding with um, before he left on like Instagram type formats <laughs> was just like out of this world. Four million followers. On Instagram. Yeah, four million followers on Instagram. I felt like every single day that I pulled up a social media site, I was gonna see a Lamelo Ball highlight. Like regardless of what it is like it was gonna be like a highlight zone on twitter was gonna (laughs) tweet like a two-minute recap of you won't believe this 16 year old kid scored 93 points i remember i saw his first dunk that's how like yeah people were waiting for his first dunk to make it go viral it's like we it's like we watched a child grow up in front of our eyes and then he left for lithuania um but lithuania yeah i i uh i i i the fact that he didn't get paid is a, a, a huge thing for him. It is 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 it it rectified a few of my worries with the eligibility of this all um, and his eligibility for college. I think Lamelo Ball plays somewhere nice for college if he's if he shows that he's good enough here at Spire Institute. I mean, it's Chino for the twenty twenty draft, eligible for the twenty twenty draft. It, like Chino Chino Ailes, he didn't look like he was playing really anybody. Uh, I believe that's just like a normal high school in California. I don't think that's like an Oak Hill type basketball academy or like a uh, IMG academy or a Spire Institute where. Academics or secondary athletics or first, uh, as I understand it, it's kind of a normal high school. Um, but no, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he holds up uh, this year because he he still looks like he needs a little skin on his bones. He might be six foot seven, but he needs he needs to bulk up a little bit. And uh, I mean, best of luck to him. But he's also playing uh, at Spire. One of his teammates is the number twenty seven ESPN class of twenty nineteen recruit, uh, Michigan State commit. Rocket Watts. Um, he's going to be playing competition that's good. He's going to be playing with players that are good. And I don't know, like, it's they're trying to rectify their mistake, but we'll see how it goes. Um, four things we need to know Bryce Harper rejected a contract extension offer at the end of the MLB season, regular season from the Nationals for 10 years at $300 million. It's a lot of money. When I say that to you, what's your initial thought? It's a lot of money. What else? It's a lot of money. I think that, uh, I mean, Bryce Harper's going to be trying to get a lot more money than that. Bryce Harper's looking at $400, $500 million. Whew. The Nationals undercut him by about $100 million. But what this deal means for the Nationals is that uh, it looks like they didn't just let him walk. Uh, I mean, their fan base would probably be out of their minds upset if they let a generational talent like Bryce Harper walk with no offer. And so this is a reasonable offer that if he accepted, great, awesome, Bryce Harper's back. If he doesn't accept it, fine. We get to, The Washington Nationals get to continue to move on uh, with the upcoming talent that they had in their outfield anyways, and they get to use the money that would have gone to Bryce Harper on more essential things for that roster, like catching, furthering their uh, starting pitching depth, getting a better bullpen, all that jazz. They can do it now with the money that would have gone to Bryce Harper. Yeah, and they have a decent outfield. I said we've talked about this before. Victor Robles was a top prospect for them that they were they they were trying to they made a couple big trades 
in the yeah. recent off seasons, but they wouldn't include him. Like when the White Sox were offering Chris yeah. Sale, they wouldn't give the White Sox Victor Robles. Um, they have Adam Eaton, who's a he's a productive outfielder when he's healthy, and he's kind of had problems with that from the White Sox. Yeah, and then Juan Soto, the nineteen twenty year old rookie who good. De- de- demolished the baseball this year in his yeah. limited offensive action. Um, I think he wants the Giancarlo Stanton got thirteen for three hundred twenty five million. That's the richest contract in pro sports history. Yeah. I think he wants to smash that. And yeah, he will smash that. Him and Machado are going to really set the records this year. It's crazy to sit here as third-party people and be like, wow, he, he rejected $300 million that was going to be handed to him. But yeah. in the greater context, it makes sense. Yeah. No, in the greater context, it makes sense. And Bryce Harper should be getting probably around $400 million this year. I'm interested to see when it happens, but probably is going to take weeks knowing – yeah, knowing how the baseball world works, this will probably be something we're still talking about uh, when we come back from uh, winter quarter. Last offseason, that's how it went. No one was getting uh, no one was getting contracts signed, yeah. but that's because a lot of teams were. Now that's not going to be the case that long, at least into the new year sure. or February, like it was for you, Darvish and such. A lot of teams are coming out of the rebuilding now. Last year they were still rebuilding. I think that's going to affect it a little bit. Um, all right, Duke and Kentucky. They play in this thing called the Champions Classic. Okay. Duke played Kentucky. Michigan State played Kansas. Kansas number one team in the country. Michigan State ten. Kansas was a competitive game. Uh, yeah, ninety two eighty seven final. That's a lot of scoring for college basketball. Yeah, Duke won over uh, number two Kentucky. Duke's number four. Hundred eighteen to eighty four. Wow. Hundred eighteen to eighty four. Behind their star, what's the word? Trio of star freshmen. Yeah. You have R.J. Barrett, thirty three points. Zion Williamson, 28 minutes. Uh, you have Reddish there, who also had 22 minutes. Cam Reddish is a freshman. They went off. And what everyone's kind of making jokes now is, well, the Cavaliers in Cleveland are 1-10. in 10. These guys could beat – they could they could do the 1-and-done. and done. If they weren't 1-and-done, and they could beat the Cavs, basically. If they were in the NBA, they would be good enough to beat the Cavs if they were on a team together, right? Yeah, probably. But we're talking in the greater scheme of things that these guys are so good. We see that they're good. Should teams tank for these players because they they're the first game was against Kentucky and they demolished them collectively and individually? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, teams are going to tank no matter what. <laughs> uh, this just adds flame to that fire and gives these guys these teams. Excuse me, these oh. <laughs> teams. I've got the hiccups today. <laughs> it gives these teams a real reason and a a, a reason for excitement. At the end of this tank, at the end of the rainbow, at the end of this tanking rainbow, you have R.J. Barrett and you have Zion Williamson that you can scoop up. Zion Williamson, an undersized power forward. Um, you have guys at the end of this, 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 this dreadful, dreadfully long, painful season that the Cavaliers are about to embark on. There are reasons for joy at the end of this tunnel. I think there. I think. Of course teams are going to tank for these guys. Teams are going to tank for whoever was at the top of this draft class. Um, if they continue to play this well throughout the college basketball season, we're just going to see teams try and lose harder and harder and harder. Yeah, Zion Williamson's a freshman, 6'7", 285 pounds of pure muscle. That's no big deal. He's bulked up. He's they, yoked. The interesting thing is this. The NBA starting this season with the next draft, they changed the lottery rules. The three worst records have the equal odds, yeah. 14%. To land the top pick, yeah. So you don't even have to have the worst record. You can get close. You could tank, but still develop young still players. Few, you have still win a few games. Still not look top. terrible, and still get into that top upper echelon of picks, and Pre- still get some top quality talent. 
Yeah, previously it was uh, the worst record at 25%. Now it's 14 yeah. for the third even. Yeah. Um, it's, And I think that's a smarter move for the lottery also, just for what it's worth. I think I think that makes things just a little bit more even for that bottom tier. Yeah, because the whole thing, like NFL does the worst record gets the top pick, no lottery. It's just the worst record just, gets yeah. it. Um, basketball doesn't do that because you have teams that would be susceptible to tanking. But the lottery, the lottery kind of fights that because you can't, assume you're going to have the worst record and get the pick. Yeah. But this kind of goes even further now. It's like, yeah, you might have the worst record, but you have you have reason to try to win at least a couple games because you could have the third worst and have the same odds. Yeah. So I like the move, and, yeah, those guys are going to be good. The last two things, local. This is a good sure. little rundown. We did national, 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 local. Okay. Cool. Uh, the Cubs, second offseason in a row, they're going to fire both their pitching coach and hitting coach. Yeah. This is what all signs are pointing to. Uh, Jim Hickey, the pitching coach, it's not official. No one's reporting it because they're waiting for the Cubs to kind of go further into it, but the Cubs keep saying they have no comment. But it looks like Jim Hickey's gone. Yep. Which makes – it's interesting. After Chili, Chili Davis's firing, which we uh, had as our key of the week a few weeks ago. Sam was plugged. Yeah. Good stuff. Go That's great old, content. Go listen to older episodes of From the Loop if you want to get re-updated on this uh, this saga of saga. Cubs firing coaches. It's a saga. Well, this is that's, this is a number six. We did good work here. Yeah. Six, sixth episode. Good for us. <laughs> um, yeah, but Hickey. The Cubs had the second best bullpen ERA in MLB. They had the tenth best starting rotation ERA. So a lot of people are questioning why he would be gone. And there's a lot of do you think it's a power struggle? Do you think it's something where the organization is trying to show Joe Madden a little bit of something? It's I don't I'm I'm not not necessarily reporting anything. Obviously, I don't know who, how I would as a college student. Sure, but uh, yeah, it's interesting because Joe Madden handpicked that guy as his yeah. pitching coach a year ago, and now there's a lot of news about Joe Madden being uh, the quote unquote lame duck manager, mm-hmm. not getting a contract extension. For 2019, the Epstein said the Cubs aren't going to negotiate with him until next summer at the earliest. Um, so this is interesting because it's like, yeah, they're not negotiating with you, and they're kicking out your handpicked guy. But I think it's odd because he's a good pitching coach. He was yeah. top free agent on the market last year for pitching coach-wise. Um, so that's just – it doesn't make sense to me, and it's it definitely is interesting when you compare it to how Madden is a lame duck. Yeah. Quack, quack. Quack, quack. Uh, also, Addison Russell – his agent said he has no reason to believe that Scott Boris. Scott Boris said, "Wow, my my thought just got so tongue twisted there." Scott Boris, comma Addison Russell's agent said he has no reason to believe the Cubs will not bring Addison Russell back next season. Interesting. Addison Russell suspended forty games for domestic violence violation. He's already served twelve of those games, but he's in therapy. Scott Boris said, and the Cubs in themselves said in their end of season press conference they want to be part of the solution. Is that from like, you know, a different perspective from you? If you were seeing him come back, how do you think people would react? How would you react to the Cubs bringing back this guy who committed that big I, issue? I mean, I, 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 I think it's important that he's he's in therapy and that he's trying to take steps forward. But I think overall, like the Cubs need to go in a different direction, um, regardless of whether he's attempting to better himself. This is still uh, this is a fine line to walk. Really, it is uh, for an organization and for anybody. Period. Is it's good to see him wanting wanting to better himself. Um, but at the end of the day, I I can't really condone bringing back Addison Russell. My only thing, which I we talked about on the show. This is one of the topics we talked about on the show today. Um, 
the Cubs might just be trying to boost his value up because as much as it's human Absolutely. aspect, yeah, it's still a it's, business, and they're not going to business aspect. Yeah, they're not going to get rid of this guy for no reason, for yeah. no value back. He, and, yeah, and somebody's going to take him off your hands, regardless of any off the field issues. Like he has value as a f- baseball player, and so some team is going to need a shortstop and could take him off your hands. And if the Cubs are looking in the neighborhood of a, uh, a certain mega free agent. Um, eyeball emojis. Eyeball emojis at Manny Machado. Um, <laughs> you don't really need Addison Russell now anyways, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cubs make a move on from him. And he's only going to be 25 next season, so someone's going to want him, whether it's here or elsewise, elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Let's wrap it up with the Blackhawks fired Joel Quenville after uh, 10 years with the team. They brought him on as a scout, a pro scout, in the summer of 2008, and then four games into that season, 08-09, they fired a franchise legend, player-wise, Dennis Savard. Mm-hmm. Four games in, put Quenville in charge. They won three cups with him. Obviously, a lot of playoff success. It was the modern dynasty for hockey. Yeah. And they replaced him with a guy who, ironically, has been getting groomed at the same time as Quenville's, you know, this beef's been happening yeah. over the past year who's been getting groomed in the AHL, Jeremy Colleton, his replacement. Um, I think this is a case of the the Blackhawks' ownership siding with the front office for whatever reason. Sure. The Bulls fired Tom Thibodeau, and they, they had Fred Hoiberg getting groomed at Iowa State, who was yeah. their guy for February of that year on. Yeah. So they hired him in June. And for some reason, the Bulls' front office is a running joke. Our packs is, sure. you know about that. Yeah, they're terrible. They're and, so bad. Stan Bowman's similar where he's done some good things, but he didn't draft the, the top players in the Blackhawks, the, the Duncan Keith, Seabrook, Corey Crawford, Jonathan Tavis, Patrick Kane. He made some good moves draft-wise, but those guys he had to trade away right. because he gave other players bad contracts. Mm-hmm. So Stan Bowman is not getting fired just like the Bulls front office didn't, and the coach gets the, the raw end of the deal, and now he's gone. I don't Difficult. know. Difficult and it's not the right move. And it's, no. everyone knows it. And he's going to be hired. And hockey's weird. For some reason, in, in, in season, they'll fire your coach if, if another good one becomes available. Interesting. It's a really weird dynamic. I think Boston did it. They fired their coach a few years back. And then uh, the Montreal Canadiens fired their coach in season, picked the guy up. Perhaps. You don't see that in other, other se- uh, sports. No. In other sports, uh, firing your coach in season is really a suggestion of your franchise is on the rocks and your franchise is not run well and will not win championships. In hockey, they're saying, well, we still expect to make the playoffs, and that's very delusional of the Blackhawks because Joel Quenville, they were— Was the reason for them making the playoffs. And now they're not doing well because the roster that the front office gave him, Stan Bowman, yeah. is bad. They came off their first year— First season, I make the playoffs after nine in a row, and the moves they made was a backup goalie, a six defenseman out of six, and not spending the five million, which in hockey and the salary cap's a lot of money. Yeah. So just like, of course, he didn't do well. No wonder he didn't have the talent to do well. And maybe this is yeah, all orchestrated. Yeah. Yeah. Front office did what they did, and maybe they were looking for a reason to fire him, but he is gone, and it was a mistake. But you got any final thoughts? I don't have any final thoughts. Well, this was the From the Loop podcast, episode six, and hope you enjoyed listening. We're going to try to keep this going, but stay tuned for more great content from us and Radio DePaul Sports. It's Team Boys, Radio DePaul Blue Unit.